Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 219 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, guys. You're making incredibly weird faces. Why? <laughs> because I just like to make you laugh. It it did make me laugh. That's good. Inside. E- because no, I, I can't contain it. Oh, <laughs> But we're so excited because Final Fantasy VII Remake is here. It's here. It's We've here. played it, and I'm sure that many of you guys have as well at this point. Well, to be fair, I haven't actually played it. You've played the demo. I've played the demo, but that's not playing the game. I will be, though. By this point, I would have played played a portion of the game over stream. That's very true. But before we get on to anything else, I think we need to have a... Moment it's of released, a, No, a, a released fan guessing moment. Oh. Because it's been five years we've been waiting for this game, and it's now here. So, three, two, one. Yay! Whee! It's so weird. Like, it's so weird that it's here. I can't believe it. Like, it released. It's here. It's a physical thing. I mean, not for us, because ours yeah, is digital, digital yeah. but it's here. It's crazy, but it's it's so good, honestly. Like Spoilers. Yeah, I know. I'm spoiling everything. For anyone who is curious, though, and is wondering whether they should listen to this, we will be discussing the 7 Remake today, and we will be keeping everything spoiler-free. And unlike, our review, unlike our review, where the spoilers, I don't know, different people have different thresholds to what a spoiler is. The text content of my review, the vocal side of things was spoiler-free. The The visual imagery was not necessarily spoiler-free in some instances. But it's all about context. But anyway, because this is vocal only, voice only, uh, there will be no spoilers. We will allude to things, we will skirt around things, but we will not be talking about anything in any real detail mm. outside of yeah, like gameplay mechanics and stuff. So, yeah, no plot points, no discussions. We'll just be talking about our impressions around things without actually discussing what we're referencing specifically. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, before we get on to any of our discussions today, first of all, we need to do our Patreon shout-outs. And we're going to kick things off with Chris Morales. Michael Graham. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Thurin Bullen at Massacre23. Troy Patrick. Fayaz Bilal. Louis James. Zach Duranto. Rachel Castatena at Beyond Ray. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster 73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Ryzen. Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Named Jin. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Miles Ribbons. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop 181. Freya Stella. Flip Surdness. Tom Hughes at Tom underscore Hughes 22. Yam Potato. And Noah Littrell. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, guys. So now starts our conversation. About Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yes, the game that we have been anticipating for a very, very long time. Mm. And I know that but some of you... only a small part. Yeah, only a small part of it because the rest of it is yet to come. Mm. And I know that some of you will have not received your copies yet because of everything that's going on. Which I, I really do feel for you guys. This is such a sucky situation. Like, it honestly... It, it's, it's so weird because... Obviously, with previous games, and it usually typically does happen that there are leaks, some people get their copies early. Mm. Because of everything that's happening, some countries got their copies like a week before the normal launch. Um, it's made everything quite strange because yeah. it's it's normally it's like one person goes on Reddit and spoils stuff and then it kind of permeates out from that. But here, there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions about the game and they're kind of invading everything and shouting out about everything and people that don't have the game or haven't had the opportunity to play it are i'm not too sure if they know how to take what people have been saying Mm, i'm the one thing i am quite upset about i think is the fact that gamestop have taken no steps in order to alleviate the situation um that a lot of fans have had where they um asked to pick up the game from the um from the store like I know it's I know it's not a usual situation, but if they really cared about like social welfare like they claimed they did when they tried to leave their stores open, they would try their best to get those games to their fans. Maybe even just by like I don't know if people would probably have just been willing to say like, you know, if you if you give like if you add an additional cost just to ship it to you to your um order would you want that like just something to just say like you know this sucks 
it's out of our control, but let's let's try and alleviate the situation. I know that Chris was saying in Canada they were having it so people could come pick up the game. Mm. So they would just have like a really skeleton crew in the store. They wouldn't open the store, but they would have like a window where people could, could just come and pick up their games. Yeah, I know some some game stops, I think, in Pennsylvania have actually lost their business license now. So I don't know what that means for them. Yeah. But either way, I mean, I think the the weird thing about it as well is that obviously the physical copies end up being just people got them whenever they got them. Yeah. Uh, Square Enix basically you just said free reign, just ship them out. People get them early. Which but, I I have to commend it's them fine, for. But the digital copies they didn't do the same thing with. So yeah. anyone that did pre-order digitally out of fear that they weren't going to receive the game... They then saw these people receiving it early mm-hmm. and they have to wait or they had to wait for such a long time yeah. with everything going on. I mean, Square Enix didn't really make it too clear to start with anyway. Like the fact that they sort of threatened to people that or warned, they sort of warned people beforehand, you may not get your game on release date. So initially they did sort of say to people like, you might not get it. You may get it in far in the future. You may, you know, um, struggle to get your game on time. Um, so, yeah, it, it really did send people into a panic. And then they were just like, let's ship it out early. Maybe what they should have done is, like, not made an announcement until they made the decision that, like, we are going to do this. Or just, I don't know. Well, I mean, the weird thing is that they, because they were able to ship it out early... They were perfectly, apparently they could have just shipped out early. So why didn't they just move the release date forward a week or two weeks? It wouldn't have been a problem. The only thing that I can think about as to why they wouldn't do that is the marketing plans. Yeah. Or also like um, the other thing is just, yeah, I I guess that that goes in line with that as well. It's just um, embargoes for review because obviously it would screw up a lot of the embargoes for um, publishers who were like working really hard on many different things at once and had to get the review out on embargo. And um, if all of a sudden everybody has the game, then that really messes up But I mean, embargo. like, what's more important? Like, 100 reviewers around the world having an embargo or mm. millions and millions of gamers around the world? I guess that's the thing. Like, yeah, like, in that, in that instance, like, yeah, of course. Um, gamers over that. But, like, even still there's a lot of money that is thrown yeah around there's a lot of stuff things. that's riding on it and but i know that some publishers in the past have brought release dates forward mm. it's it's very rare yeah but square kind of did it they just did it half did it yeah but anyway um so we fortunately didn't have to go through any of that because we did receive a copy from square enix prior to launch mm-hmm. uh we have to do declare that yes um but it meant that we were frantically trying to play everything in order to publish our review and that was quite stressful. It was um, very stressful. Because obviously, like, we have the two kids at home at the moment. I'm also still working full time on my job. Lauren is obviously working on the videos and we were trying to play the game in and around everything. Yeah. And so the kids I was, just wanted to watch the whole time. They just love Cloud. Yeah. They love seeing Cloud. Ali loves Cloud. She loves Aerith. Um, yeah. But yeah, I meant that I was like going to bed at like... 11 o'clock nine, uh, 11 o'clock to midnight normally yeah. i would go to bed around nine and normally i'd get up about six but i was yeah i was going to bed like between almost midnight every day getting up at five probably about four or five days on the trot yeah and that was not overly pleasant no but but it's kind of like i didn't feel tired because i was so like energized about the fact that i was playing this game I that i've been waiting for for so long i think that is the thing it, you can ignore it quite a bit when you're doing something fun like playing Final Fantasy 7. Yeah, because we I had a similar experience uh this week or last week uh and I didn't have the same remates play and it was I was tired. Yeah. I was yeah. very tired. It's exhausting. But anyway, so, so yeah. keeping things spoiler free, um I guess the first thing that I want to talk about is my first impressions of the game and I think I hope that there will be many of you who have the same experience and I hope that you do when when you play at Lauren that even though I had watched that opening trailer because they released it like a month ago on the YouTube channel and it's a bit more extended than the one that was in the demo, just actually when the game was physically mine and I just 
press the new game and it just kind of went to, to black and then just, you know, everything starts up. It was just this kind of moment of just, it, I don't really get that experience with gaming anymore where I can just kind of sit down, start the experience and know that I don't really know what I'm going into. That And I just kind of got this, had this moment where I just kind of, even now where I'm talking about it back, it's just kind of, I got goosebumps and, yeah, it was just it was just really weird. <laughs> I, I just don't have that experience so much anymore. And obviously, like when it went into the the gameplay, um, following the amazing transition that we've talked about before, from the train sequence to the the fighting, oh, you and that transition, it's it's a great transition. <laughs> um, then it kind of like got into the swing of things and and just trying to remember what I learned from the demo, which we like played a couple of times, but didn't really invest too much into because it's a demo at the end of the day. And then yeah, like so. I think my first impression of it was that just, yeah, really impressive in terms of the graphical stuff. And um, I couldn't believe that it was it was finally here. I know. Um, so with that in mind, with the gameplay, now you've told me sort of in private that you've not really, like some of the gameplay aspects, you didn't really get until like the later portions of the game. How did you feel throughout the experience? So I think one of my gripes around it is that obviously there's the four characters that you can play as. They all have very different gameplay styles. But the game really pushes you to using Cloud because Mm. you use him predominantly. And he's the default character as well when you are doing anything. So you actually have to actively... Like if you've got multiple party members, you you have to actively say, I want someone else to be the character I take control of when a battle starts. So yeah, like... The game by default pushes you towards Cloud. It makes the most sense. He is the most well-rounded character. He's got like he's not the fastest character. Basically, I looked at all his stats compared to everyone else, and his stats are either the best or second best in every single aspect. So that's the physical damage, the magic, the defense aspects as well, speed, luck, everything. He's either the top or he's the second best. So it's like we really want you to use Cloud. Exactly. Like, we and really like, want to. You know, from the in the grand scheme of the story, it makes sense. He's the protagonist. You know, he's the ex-soldier character none of the other characters have the same level of training as he does technically so it makes sense that he is kind of up there on this pedestal but as i went through so yeah so basically when i was going through i I just used cloud and it's the same i every single time i was thinking about how i could write it I, i didn't put it in my review that i did but it just really reminded me of type zero Mm-hmm. Because you have the entirety of Class Zero that you can use. They all have incredibly different gameplay styles. And when you first go into it, it's incredibly daunting. And, and because like you don't know which character is the best one. You don't know which one's going to work with you. And the only way you really learn in Type Zero is kind of by accident. Like You have your set character that you think you're really good at. And when that character dies, you get forced to use another character and you go into survival mode with that character, which makes you learn how to use that character and succeed with it. Within the 7 Remake, you don't really have that so much. It's just, let's play as Cloud. I didn't really see the benefit of switching to any other characters outside of just using an ability. But towards the latter half of the game, there are segments where you are forced to use characters in isolation which makes you learn how to play as them because you have no other choice essentially mm. like you can't fall back on cloud's abilities to get you out of a pinch you have to learn how to use barrett you have to learn how to use tifa there's no Aerith segment though which is why maybe i didn't really get on with her that well because i didn't get forced to figure out how to make her work for me but yeah mm. like tifa especially i didn't really like using her that much and now I'm playing through on hard mode. She's probably one of my go-to characters, especially for dealing with just random enemies. But she is incredibly useful for a lot of things. And I probably would use her more in most fights now that I would cloud, which I I, I wouldn't have said like anywhere during my normal playthrough. That's the thing, isn't it? You have to figure it out. Um, but like... With all that in mind and all that said and done, like a lot of people have been complaining, of course, about the story not being complete. But I'm sort of thinking, like, is the gameplay complete? Because essentially, yeah, we have like a few more games to go. Do you think there is room for evolution as far as the combos of the characters go or as far as weapons? I'm already answering the question in my head before you finished, but I'd say absolutely, because... Mm. 
Yeah, so I would imagine that as the game progresses uh, through its entirety, just as in the original game, the the characters get more skilled with their moves. I don't know how they're going to handle it. Maybe it's a case where all the moves you have in the first game get carried over or only certain ones do. Or maybe they get replaced by better versions in the next game. Because there's just, no like Omni Slash, is there? No. So it, it like really caps out certain things. So you, obviously you have uh, Cross Slash and Braver are the kind of two first things. Blade Beam is in there too. Uh, but a slightly modified version of it. But but most of the other things are different. But I was more thinking around the materia. So the materia is like very much capped. There's you get the the, the basic kind of ice, thunder, sorry, lightning and uh, fire. There's like really basic healing spells. Um, there's a version of all materia. Uh, there's like different um debuffs like poison and bio and there's kind of protection like you can get protection shell as well and but they're not called that they're called like uh barrier and man man ward which (laughs) is for mana ward yeah mana ward so it's like magic ward Mm. um but yeah like the material like there's no ultima or anything like that so there's 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 definite room for growth in terms of the material so like you know death blow like i'm really curious to see if they're gonna have all of those Though, especially like you know if you think about the the kind of end game material where you have like four times cut and like the the ability to replicate other people's commands they did have synergy in there i didn't really get how to use it that mm. much it's supposed to be where if someone if you have the synergy equipped and it's linked to a spell when the leader of the party casts a spell that party member will replicate the spell so it's kind of like a mime uh, i don't know yeah um but, but did yeah. you feel like did you feel op at the end of the game like did you feel like you had reached a strength where you felt like how you feel normally at the end of at the end of games no and i don't think the seven remake really has that mm. so like you know if you think about final fantasy 7 the 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 way you had to set yourself up to like beat ruby and beat emerald like make yourselves basically invincible so that you can do ridiculous amounts of damage that isn't in this game it's yeah. it's not really set up that way and i don't know if it's going to be set up in like the future ones that that way because of how it is done i would imagine the combat's going to go by way of say mass effect where the 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 core principles are still there for the second part but there'll be changes to it because mm. You know, they're going to be seeing all the feedback that's coming in. They're going to want to make tweaks. I really just hope they don't go down the route that they did with 13, where like they just kept changing things for the worse-ish as it went through. I really hope they just keep this combat and just make tweaks to it. So yeah, new moves, new materia. They make some modifications. Maybe like in the next one, Cloud has different swings with his sword or, you know, like he has... He doesn't have override as his second mode. He has something else. And hopefully they go on that route where it's just tweaks and modifications as opposed to wholesale changes. Mm. But no, I, I would, I'd say there's lots of room for growth with the system that they've employed, but I didn't feel as though, yeah, definitely didn't feel like the final evolution of anything. And then of course you've played, you played the original game on normal mode, but then, oh, sorry, not the original game, but you played it. <laughs> you played the Final Fantasy VII Remake first off on normal mode, and now you're going back and playing hard mode. Um, but hard mode has, like, weirdly, like, a ton of buffs <laughs> um, that you can use to just sort of make your character more beefy anyway. I mean, like, is it much of a... Ch- like, it is, like, in some ways more of a challenge, but is it... Like, how is it? <laughs> how is it in comparison? I think, so when you're saying the buffs, you're talking about the experience and yeah. the, the AP and stuff. To be honest, I feel as though they were pointless mm. because I, I mean, when I finished the game, I was, I think I was level 35 and the the level cap's 50. So I have hit level 50 like within a couple of hours. Mm. Like it's not that difficult. And most of my material is maxed out now because of the AP benefits. So you get like, I think it's three times AP, but you've also got the AP plus material. So yeah, most of my material is maxed and I'm not even like, I'd say I'm about a third of the way through my hard playthrough. So from a, from a growth perspective, there's nowhere more I can grow. Mm. I've maxed out my characters. I've maxed out my material. The only thing that hard mode adds is you can get manifests, which increase your weapon skill. 
and the weapons upgrade system is is kind of i guess where the big changes come in because you can keep respecking your weapons and the higher your weapon level uh weapon skill level the more nodes you can use in it so at the moment i think my level, weapon level is six but i there's still a lot of weapons where i have two nodes still inaccessible so that's i guess where the growth is still going to come not from the leveling up and not from the material but with my weapons mm. it's also interesting what you said in the review the fact that like you could potentially go through the whole game just with the buster sword with how um how much you can modify the weapons yeah and i like that i, re- yeah. I really did like that they they didn't have it like the original where once you get a new weapon the old one's kind of redundant and obviously there were elements within the original where some of the weapons were situational so like you'd use um i think it's apocalypse uh which had like triple ap growth in it but like you could, didn't have any links or anything like that so it wasn't like a it was one you'd use for farming as opposed to one you'd actually use for performance mm. um but yeah within this game there's no there's there's a base hierarchy but you can improve all of the weapons to to basically become kind of levelish I kind of prefer it because like from a sort of shallow perspective, like I really don't like the look of a lot of end game weapons. I think they look a bit ridiculous. Like I really don't like Ultima weapon in um, Final Fantasy VII, the original Final Fantasy VII. Really? The one that's like the the weird, like sort of crazy thing. The one that changes color. I, I hate it. I hate it. No. I much rather just go through the game with Buster Sword, especially because of the meaning about it. Like, you know, you think about the fact that it was passed down from Zack and um, Angel, if you're following like Crisis Core, you just sort of think like there's so much history with it that you just sort of think like, I'm just going to toss it away because I picked this up from a random enemy. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was like the funny thing with the original game. Yeah. Because it's, it was like Angel's sword it was that yeah. sword it served them so well this means then, so much to me uh, Bloop. well i mean cloud it didn't really mean anything to him yeah um but then he like discarded it like within a couple of hours yeah. of the game because he got like hard edge or uh for, well, i can't remember what the first one is you would get mm. i don't know but there's there's one you obviously get pretty quickly that you just get rid of but um as far as like the other characters go what are their weapons sort of like like, what's Barrett's like? Because he had quite a few, like, interesting ones in the original. So I was actually quite surprised in a in a way that they kept it. But he does have the two types of weapons. So he has the long-range weapons and he also has the melee weapons too. Mm. He's not really built for melee, though, because he's so <laughs> slow. Yeah. So he when he does his melee, it's kind of like Cloud and Tifa are, like, they hit quite quickly whereas Barrett is just like his combo is like three hits and the last one is like a real wind-up hit so yeah. if you're fighting against enemies that move around a bit he's not it's, you're not really going to have any use for that no um and, but also they kept it so like in the original where if you were using a melee weapon he could still use ranged attacks like his limit breaks and stuff yeah so it's still it's in just that. shooting out of the yes yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly so they they kept that in and i i'd like to think that it was a nice little easter egg they put in there yeah just because it's so silly like this guy has got a like a, a massive like scissor on the end of his arm where are the bullets coming from yeah where space space but no it reminds me of when you guys were doing the um the final fantasy comics on final fantasy union ages ago and you used to have like barrett with like a soccer ball a football or yeah. something on his fist change we changed the weapon every single scene it's like a teddy bear uh, and yeah that no, was great Oh, I love I love that. But yeah, I mean, it really sounds like the gameplay is a lot of fun. Challenging, but fun. I think that's what that's what makes this game so interesting, the fact that like it's it's not a carbon copy of the original, so it makes you think a lot more than the original. Yeah, I mean, like I mean, you saw me playing it. There yeah. was some real kind of flying by the seat of my pants moments where I just about made it through the boss fight and i was just so thrilled about the fact that like yeah i made it through some of the boss fights are infuriating um Mm. and until you figure out the strategy behind how it's supposed to be done and i like that like it they actually made you think like every single boss has a different strategy that you need to adhere to to win and that can relate to like each boss has multiple phases that you've got to adapt to 
there are uh, things in the stage that change as well as you're going through the fights. They've made it really interesting. Mm. And I I thought that was really good. I mean, some of the, the normal enemies can prove like really tough. And I think the thing I liked most about it was that they kind of, even though the game is quite linear in, in the kind of linear chapters, they kept it so that there's this notion of it's a dungeon. So there are benches every now and again that you can rest on. But, you know, you've got to get from bench to bench with the end people that you have, the items that you have. And like, basically, there's no after the battle, you get your your stats back. There's no automatic health regen or anything like that. It's just what you leave the battle at is what you start the next one with. with. So if you're doing really badly and you keep having to use uh, curing magic or your items and stuff, you're just going to run out. Mm. And then you just can't get any further. Like you've, So you've got to think about your performance quite a lot to make yeah. sure that you don't like mac like don't use all your resources. Yeah, no, that's really it's an interesting take on the dungeon dynamic because obviously Final Fantasy used to be like that. That was what it was back in the day. It was yeah, like when there you was went nothing. In, you had to make sure you had enough stuff to make it through. Yeah, and if you didn't, you were screwed. Like you were literally screwed. I remember so many times where I went through a dungeon and you'd reach the boss of the dungeon but you didn't have a save close enough and you kept running into these random encounters and you're just like, just let me go. Run let away, me go. run away, run away. Uh, or the worst is when you get so far into a dungeon and you realize this isn't going very well and yeah. you try and get out, but you yeah. can't get out because yeah. you, you die on the way. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's nice that they put some of the challenge back into Final Fantasy. I mean, obviously like, Final Fantasy 15, it had its moments of challenging. But you couldn't but like, die. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't die. No, there was no game over. So. There was, but it was like you, you got downed and mm. then you could use items. And like, there was ga- Getting a game over screen in Final Fantasy 15 was something that you kind of had to do intentionally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it was really hard to do that. Um, but yeah, uh, overall gameplay i mean if you had to rate it like how would you i i mean i'd say it's it's obviously very different from the previous gameplay experiences we've had it's i'd say it's more final fantasy than 15 Mm. what we saw in 15 it's basically like an evolution there are elements of final fantasy 13's combat in there um it's it i think it alleviates some of the complaints people had around 13 where they said it played itself and obviously you have classic mode where it's kind of similar to that in terms of a lot of the game plays itself and you can choose which actions you want to take. Final Fantasy XIII's obviously was that you the strategy came around which paradigms you were, were using as opposed to which abilities you were selecting. Mm. Um, but I think with this one, obviously it's, it is an action RPG, but they've managed to retain a lot of the turn-based elements. And I think, you know, we obviously went back to that thing um, that we said around 15 where we just hoped that they... This is the gameplay style they have. Just take it and do just stick with it. Mm. I'm glad they didn't because mm. this is this is much better. It's kind of where I'd expect the franchise to be going. I found it fun. And I now hope they stick with this moving forward. So every every prior part of the remake needs to have something very similar. And then whatever they do with Final Fantasy 16, it would be nice if it was a similar system, but modified. Um, so moving on. I guess what we could just start with is Cloud. Uh, cloud is... He's Cloud. Yeah, like they've they've said in the past that they were really worried about what, what to do with Cloud, how people would take Cloud. I mean, do you think that he's much different to how he was in the original? I think they've been quite smart around it mm. because obviously the big problem they had was that within the original game, Cloud was a certain way. And by the end of the game... <laughs> he felt yeah. a type of way. Yeah, he was, a certain type, he was feeling a certain type of way. And then by the end of the game, he was feeling another type of way. But then people misinterpreted how he was supposed to be feeling. And so when they went to make Advent Children, Nomura was... I wouldn't, I don't want to say he copped out, mm. but there was definitely a notion of him wanting to pander to what he thought audiences wanted as opposed to doing what he thought was right. And he, I think he's, he's talked about that in the the Advent Children, um, like behind the scenes stuff in terms of like, he, he was, 
the the, the creators were really surprised to see how people felt that they what they thought about cloud that he's this emo person basically that he's really sad and depressed and mm. and he's not that at all it's in actually, the original game it's hilarious that you say that as well because like you think compare this to advent children like it's like night and day yeah like, advent children didn't make me laugh once like maybe like when the little kid shoves her finger up reno's nose that was pretty funny but like it was really tacky like the writing was like yeah. really not good whereas this is incredible like this actually is don't sass me <laughs> don't you dare sass no um but yeah like it's it's so funny yeah i really liked it and yeah like as you said comparing to advent children obviously advent children they went down the route of really pulling out clouds depressiveness and yeah which he's not no and, and like you see it in in this game like i think they it's probably the best representation of Cloud I've seen in terms of like he's he's really assertive and he's really confident, but it doesn't always miss hit the mark. But like Najima wrote spoke about it beforehand in terms of they wanted to have it so that their overconfidence is not his natural trait. He's just trying to be someone else, obviously. Mm. And um but as the as it develops, the characters start to realize that as well. Mm-hmm. So it helps Cloud to see growth. And that's something I I mean, it makes sense because the game is is a fully fleshed out game. In the original game, there wasn't very much growth that happened in the Midgar, Midgar segment for any character. Cloud got to see a little bit of growth, but most of his growth thing came almost immediately after when you got to Calm and you got to see like Tifa's reaction to the story. You got to see Cloud's reaction to the story, obviously of what happened in Nibelheim. Um, within the remake, they've made it so that Cloud has a lot of development within the context of this. So he starts off the experience in a certain way. And by the end of it, he's still kind of acting the same way, but he's become aware of it. And the other characters uh, reacted a certain way towards the start. And by the end, because they've had more time spent with Cloud and they've actually been going through things with him, they are able to take what he's saying and overlook it like they're mm. not like barrett we saw in the demo like cloud says some stuff to him and he gets really offended by it as as things go on like he still does get offended to some things but maybe he doesn't get as offended like it there's a dynamic that evolves between cloud and the other characters and that was the thing that i thought they did really well in terms of fleshing these characters out because like Barrett had scenes in the original game and some of them that I was expecting to be in there weren't. Mm. But I think that they they managed to make him a more likable character as well. They fleshed him out more in the sense that like he's not just this guy who, who swears and shouts all the time. He, or I gotta save Marlene. Mm. Like he, he has some moments. It was like we were talking about Snow mm. and like his shift. Barrett is kind of a similar archetype of character like he's he wants to be the leader he wants to be like the person who goes in and saves everyone and all this stuff but ultimately and it was happened within the original game like when they when they leave midgar they're like who's going to be the leader and barrett's like i'm going to be the leader and they're like no you're not yeah he's like he wants to be a leader but he's just not that strong enough mentally almost like you know, physically, like, he's a big guy. He has a freaking gun attached to his arm. But, like, mentally, he's, like, just not... He's not at the same zen. Well, I think it's also that he's he's a leader to a point. So mm. he was he was okay being a leader for Avalanche mm. when they were trying to uh, destroy the macro like reactors. But when it comes on to the bigger picture of we're going to try and save the world, mm. he's not... He doesn't have that in him yeah like it's too big of an objective and yeah. i feel as though within the remake they helped to show that a bit better that he has limitations that mm. even though yeah he, he wants to be a leader and and for like jesse biggs and wedge they all idolize him but tifa doesn't mm-hmm. like tifa sees the the kind of like the the cracks yeah and obviously cloud doesn't really care that much about barrett's like lectures and stuff no and He's I think, not scared. And that's also the other thing as well in terms of like, yeah, it, they they gave room for each of the character dynamics to actually grow. Whereas in the original, they didn't really do that that much. 
But in the remake, you know, there's moments where Tifa and Barrett have conversations, Tifa and Aerith have conversations, and Cloud's there, but he doesn't partake in the conversations at all. Mm. And I thought that was nice, because unlike in 13, where the cast all comes together and Lightning's the main character and she kind of just fades away and doesn't really have anything to say, and then, like, there's not really any... It's kind of hard with the dynamics in that one. Within this one there's there's a clear sense of like people will want to talk to each other about things that make sense to them so tifa and barrett are constantly talking about everything that's going on and how it relates to their home and mm-hmm. their friends cloud doesn't know anything about their home and he doesn't know anything about their friends so he has nothing to add to that particular conversation but if they're talking about you know what's happening in the wider sense of things they'll be like cloud what do you know because you're this ex-soldier person and then he'll kind of divulge certain things about what he does or doesn't know so i thought it was it was nice that they they gave the other characters space mm-hmm. to breathe without taking away i don't know yeah just without like it's almost like without having to have cloud inserted into it just to have cloud there yeah it didn't diminish anyone else's role i guess i think that's like it's something else that i could kind of compare to final fantasy 15 because like in interviews like tabata always said that like it was noctis's story it was from noctis's perspective and i think that that was such a detriment to the rest of the characters because you almost sort of think about the rest of the characters in final fantasy 15 and rarely did we have those moments where noctis wasn't in some way involved like the only moments that we had that were separate from him were like between luna luna freya and ravis or like the other villains and like even with his ensemble there's only that one moment really where um gladio and ignis have that fight yeah about him like gladio wanting to leave him behind yeah like pretty much every other scene that involves all four of them is revolving around noctis like there's nothing about like them having like a secret sort of noctis or sorry um ignis and gladio having like secret conversations about about noctis or just about their own lives um which they did in all of the other materials exactly but it's just like that shouldn't have been where we learned that information like it's just i hate to be like a bitter buddy about it but it was it is really hard to mix mediums. Like it's really hard to make a coherent story when you have you have to watch this and you have to watch this and you have to do this and you have to read this and you have to do this. Like it's so much easier when you just have it all in the yeah. thing. And I think that's what's so great about the Final Fantasy VII remake is that we don't need to read a dialogue to know what's going on. We don't we haven't needed to check a description of something. At all. Everything is displayed in front of us. Um, there's enough cutscenes with villains. There's enough cutscenes with other characters. Like, we all know what they are thinking. We all know sort of what's going on with them. Um, granted, there's some things that are still left mysterious. But in a general sense, we get a good grasp over what everybody's like and what everybody's feeling and what everybody's thinking about which we just didn't get with Final Fantasy 15 yeah the comparison episode I know it's a shame but that is the last that is the last big game that and 13 are the last big single player experiences that we have to base it on and unfortunately they just didn't hit the mark no. I don't even to be far to be fair with regards to the writing I don't even think that Final Fantasy 10 was as polished writing wise to 7 remake. No. Like the the but writing then, like, you know, and acting I guess was impeccable. Final Fantasy 10 was the first time they had to write for voice. Exactly. So it's fair enough. But like this this has set the bar really high for future things and it's also kind of the reason why like and this is getting on such a tangent but it's like it's kind of the reason why like i couldn't really get into final fantasy 14 granted like i know you know i haven't played the recent installment but like when i was playing the original um the realm reborn the way in which the characters speak is just too otherworldly if that's a way to put it it's too 
I I don't know how to say it without like sounding like a really big idiot, but it's just like it's it's, it's just too difficult. It's pretentious, exactly pretentious, and that's not what. And that's also the issue that I that I had with Final Fantasy fifteen as well, especially with Luna Freya. The way that they speak is not how people speak. It's not how people talk to each other. It's not how people interact with each other. Whereas Final Fantasy seven remake, I didn't have that problem. Like from what I've seen, I haven't had that problem at all. I think that. It's all very natural. They all make fun of each other and they all like pick on each other, but they're also really caring of each other as well. It's really nice. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely up there as one of the the best written, which I I'm really happy about because mm. obviously 13 and uh like Dissidia as well even the most recent one, they're the most recent things we have around for Toriyama and Nojima. Yeah. And I I was I was a bit nervous mm. coming in obviously there's a lot of script writers outside of those two yeah the um, localization team on this game you guys are amazing like seriously like if this is i mean granted i don't know actually like how much it is close to the original but you made it like a game that is so yeah just understandable wait, just for wait. Us. it's going to be like 15 again where they've changed the name of the characters and there's all the laws different in the different depending on the language oh my god we missed this random factoid that we changes the whole story. It explains everything. Frick. But no. Um, so yeah, that's my, sort of my my take on it. Um, no dilly dally shilly shally in this game. No. No dilly dally shilly shally. And then um, I guess that takes us to our final section, which is music. The music so important. Yes. And the music in Seven was so iconic. Mm. With for everything that it did, and we talked before on the podcast about how apprehensive we were about that too. Yeah, because like Hamwazu didn't the work that he did on the Ten Remaster was was really hit and miss, and you know the the, the stuff they did on Thirteen was decent, but it wasn't the same memorable quality that we would expect from an Uematsu game. But I, I would say that, that since then, I've I've been doing more reading around stuff, especially when I was doing the history of Final Fantasy VII. And uh, I think one of the problems that they have now versus when Uematsu was kind of in his heyday is the expectations of people and the different types of gaming experiences they have. Like there are so many more cinematic experiences now that need to have different scores. And Final Fantasy IX was similar in that regard because there was the the whole separate soundtrack for the um, the cutscene score. Seven remake, what they did really surprised me. Like it really surprised me. Mm. I was based on everything they've done prior. I was expecting it to be them just redoing Uematsu's work, mm. but they just basically wrote original pieces of music and in, incorporated the various themes into them. Sometimes they've like completely changed the structure of the original. They've changed time signatures around. They've changed the keys. They've they've like put some pieces in minor. Like they've just taken the original source material and done whatever the hell they wanted with it. Themes will just crop up when you're least expecting them, and I I was really surprised by it. Mm. I would I think because of the way that it's done though. The music really blends. So, like, thinking back, there's a couple of different pieces of music that that, that I remember vividly. So, uh, there's the piece of music when you're going between Sector 5 and Sector 6, doing different fights. Um, but I don't really remember too many other pieces of music that really stood out to me. Like, there was none where... Like, even Final Fantasy fifteen had music where... You just, I just really wanted to keep listening to it because it was so good. Seven Remake hasn't had that for me. There's no real piece of music where I just think, oh, this sounds so good. I really want to listen to this again. Like Hellfire, Final Fantasy 15, such a fantastic piece of music. Like um, that Ravis Eterner as well. Like uh, I think it's called that. Mm-hmm. Ravis is like boss, boss theme. There are so many fantastic pieces of music in Final Fantasy XV that I would happily listen to again. Seven Remake, I think until I get the soundtrack and I can start dissecting which pieces of music I actually listen to, because I think there's like 10 variations of the boss theme, for example. Mm. So it's really hard to think about which one you actually liked because and like where it plays or whatever, because 
there's a lot of similarity between a lot of the music. Mm. So they, I, I feel like they went for promoting a, this is going to sound really, really bad comparison. Like it's more like Final Fantasy 12 where the, the music is more about enriching the experience as opposed mm. to being its own experience. Yeah, like sense. you can't really, because of when the Final Fantasy Seven main theme plays, it's like not as effective as when you played it in the original sense and you're playing it on the big overworld map and you could actually just focus on that music. And maybe also because there's people talking now, there's not as much time for you to really listen yeah, I mean, music? like, there are some area themes. So, for example, the Sector 5 slums has a arrangement of hollow playing. Mm. But... You also really loved the bit between... Um, I just said about that one, yeah, like the... Was that the Between techno, Sector 5 and Sector 6, yeah. Yeah, the techno one. Yeah, that was fun. Um, but then also, I mean, the other issue with it is just the fact that the Midgar section is not, doesn't have a lot of great, it doesn't, not that it doesn't have a lot of great tracks, is that it doesn't have, it didn't have a lot of opportunity for this sort of epic, like Noctis, Alterna, no. whatever tracks. But I think originally. Like, the one thing that's really confusing me in some regards is that, so the original game had a four disc soundtrack. Mm. The seven remake, from what I remember, has a seven disc soundtrack. Jeez. That's by far like the biggest soundtrack I think of any Final Fantasy game. Yeah, and it's only one part of it. Yeah, it's only one part of it. But I think it's just because there are so many different versions of like the different themes mm. that play. So like you know, I must have heard Eris theme is probably in like four or five, six pieces of music. The main theme plays in one of the open world. I think it might actually be like chapter three, like sector. It's a sector seven music. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, but then you don't, I think you, might, you may not hear it again, or you may hear like a different version of it. Like, so it's not like there's no, there's very few clear cut pieces of this piece is for this thing. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah. And but like then... the 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 relationships of, like in the older games, there was a clear notion of like this is a character theme, and like this is going to follow them through, or like Suteki Dane, like that that permeated through into the rest of the soundtrack and it made sense where it played. Whereas now they're saying, okay, so you've got Eris theme, but then hollow plays in sector five slums, which is supposed to be Eris area, mm-hmm. but it's also the main theme of the game. So she, does she have two theme? I- but then is it also because we already know the music? Yeah. And that's why I was really pleased with what they did. Mm. because they didn't just do what they did in like the 10 remaster or whatever they just kept the same sound they redid the enti- they redid the entire thing they just basically just scrapped it yeah. and said like what do we need to do here how can we incorporate themes where it makes sense to do so it's kind of like this thing it's kind of like a photoshop a photoshop image i know i've used this before in other things but it's like it's like trying to edit someone else's photoshop like piece like you just don't know what what you're doing if you if you try to make it look better than it originally did like it's just it's too hard whereas yeah if they re if they completely went in fresh it's much nicer um but i i'm hoping that yeah, the that, future I mean, the future parts will have better moments yeah for I music mean, it may also be the fact that there's like 20 composers working mm-hmm. on this obviously hamwazu and suzuki mitsuko suzuki um, they get the big billing and Uematsu yeah. composed the main theme. But yeah, there's like, I don't know, six or seven additional composers, there's tons of arrangers who worked on the piece as well. And like, it must be hard to keep things consistent when you're working with that many people. It must be. But bearing in mind, Final Fantasy 15 had a lot of, a lot it of didn't people. didn't have that many. Didn't have that many, but it did have a lot. And like, <laughs> this is gonna sound silly, but I think the I think the bar was at least as far as battle music. I think the bar was set really high after fifteen for battle music, especially because like 15's battle music, boss music was amazing. 
that was probably my favorite part about that game, entire game. Yeah, whereas all in, of that. Whereas in the Seven Remake, and this is where I have to check, I feel as though it was just rearrangements of still more fighting mm-hmm. and rearrangements of fighting mm. or fight on, whatever you want to call it. Not, that's what we expect, which is great. But they could have come up with that they didn't have to have that for every single boss fight. Mm. And then maybe they didn't. I can't remember. Yeah. And that's not a good thing, right? So after after 15, I could remember vividly all the different boss themes that I heard throughout the experience. Mm. This, I, I, for the life of me, I could not tell you what played when. Yeah. That's I why can't even I, like, tell you what was playing during the end boss fight. Well, I know I can, but it didn't really... I, I wasn't paying attention to it. It's why they needed our boy back. Was it Suzuki? He's in it. Is he in it? Yeah. What did he do then? I don't know. But, I d- like, he would have sorted them out. Once the soundtrack comes out... Why should he have done that, bit, that one song that you yeah. like? Once the soundtrack comes out, I think it's May, mm. there, there should be full credits inside that in terms of who worked on which track. Yeah. Um, but... He wasn't in a leading role, I don't think, no. for this one. Whereas with with fifteen, he did freaking Hellfire. He's so good. <laughs> and uh, Hunt or Be Hunted. Yes, he's he's like my new favorite. I love him. And he um, also did a lot of Metal Gear Solid soundtracks. So. Yeah, so that's that gives him extra cred. But like, yeah. But no, I think you know we're going to touch on the ending slightly in terms of just it's different. Yeah. It's different. It's um, not what you expect at all. It's not all. what anyone's going to expect. And I think... Which is good. It was it was difficult for us because I think we were... We both kind of watched the ending segment of the game together. Mm. And uh, we were just sitting there just thinking like... What? What's happening? What's going on? Okay. Why is this what? Did not expect this. And then I think when I finished the game, I was just like... I... This is not what I expected at all. Mm. And I could feel like inside me just that feeling of I played the original game. I was expecting a remake of the original game. I didn't really, I I got it in some regards. And then the next day I was kind of like, okay, so it wasn't quite what I expected. But I think that's the problem. I had expectations. Mm. And, you know, Nojima touched on it beforehand in terms of the writing. Like, you know, we've done so many lore videos we've interpreted the story in a certain way, but that might not be the way that they intended it to be interpreted. And how is he supposed to please everyone who has their individual interpretations of the story? They can't. This may be what we're seeing now. This may be Nomura's vision for how he thought the original game should have been. Obviously, when the original game was being made, he was in a fairly senior role within the team, but ultimately it was Sakaguchi and Kataze who were running the, running the show. Mm. Now he's running the show with Kataze kind of over the shoulder, but probably in a much softer way than Sakaguchi did back in the day. So now he's saying like, well, I didn't agree with the way that Kataze did it. Mm. This is the way I wanted it to be done. This is the way I feel it should have been done back in those days. And obviously now they have the benefit of the compilation, which Nomura had a very prominent part in and Kataze didn't so much. So it's it's interesting. And I think change is always hard. Mm-hmm. The original game is still there. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, obviously Lauren has not fully experienced it yet. So it's hard for her to say, but yeah. to be honest, it's just made me really excited. Yeah. I'm, and I know that probably sounds like a bit cheesy or I, I don't know. It's, I can, I can tell that some people are going to be cringing about me saying that, but it's made me excited because based on what they showed, I literally have no idea what's coming now. Yeah. I, I, Honestly, could not tell you what's going to be in part two. Yeah. It's, there's going to be, they've said that they're going to follow like the core moments of the original game. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you what, what core moments they're going to focus on, what's going to happen. Like, and I think that's the thing that's exciting for me because the whole thing around this is that we know what's come. Everyone went into the seven remake saying, well, we know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, how can you spoil a 20 year old game? It's like, well, Jokes we, on you, mate. Yeah, we. <laughs> I honestly could not tell you. Yeah, and that's why I'm excited because I really want to see what the second part is going to be. I think, in a sense, as well, and I sort of said this before. It, I think, it must be slightly soul destroying for someone like Nomura to regurgitate a game that's already been done. I mean, granted, like his team already kind of did that with like remastering the Kingdom Hearts series, but obviously that's like a bit different than remaking a whole game exactly the way that you did it before like i mean for fans like yeah resident evil the resident evil remakes have been fantastic but like namora just seems like this guy who just needs to be creating 
And like, I think what he's displayed through this has opened him up to have fun with with the Final Fantasy VII remake. He doesn't have to be confined to canon. Like he just can kind of, yeah, do what he do what he wants and do what he he feels is right without everybody being down his throat, being like, that wasn't like that. That wasn't like that. Where's this person? Where's this person? What's this doing? Why is this? Like, could you imagine being like dealing with that for however many parts of games this is going to take and this is going to be? Yeah. Whereas now, it's just ridiculous. Now with what he's done, it's shot a lot of that down. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of people who are really upset about it initially but but that's what always happens with a final fantasy game anyway right so people when it comes out it's not the same as the game it's not the same as the last game it's not the same as the game i really liked Mm -hmm. and that's obviously going to happen in regards to this one but obviously it's got the other aspect of it's a remake of another game Mm -hmm. so now it's it's not just it's not the same as x game i liked previously and now it's it's not the same as the original game so there's the Mm -hmm. two two aspects of it but those opinions always soften over time. Yeah. And so by the time part two comes out, you'd like to think that when the marketing campaign is going through and they start showing off what the next part's going to contain, all this stuff, many of the people that were detracting over part one will probably still kind of get on the bandwagon because they also want to see what's going to happen in the next part. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we've sort of said it before as well, is that like, I think one of the biggest gripes that people are going to have is the fact that like this is more of a re- reimagining than it is a remake and i think square enix should have been a bit more for up- upfront about that but maybe they were just too afraid to be it's they also hard though show. i think because from what i understand the resident evil 2 and 3 recently are kind of similar like mm. they are more reimaginations of the original properties than remakes mm. resident evil uh, i think there was a remake in the past of the original games um, that were much more like carbon copy. Mm. Whereas these, like the new Resident Evil ones are like, let's bring it up to the modern day. Yeah. And that means that things have to change because original things don't work. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happened with the seven remake. Like if they'd have released a turn-based game, people would have like, it would have appealed to the original fan base. Mm. And they don't want to just appeal to the original fan base. They want to appeal to gamers today. Mm-hmm. And that's, I feel like that's what they've done. And I'm really curious to see how it resonated with people that have never touched the franchise before, never played the original game. We're, we're venturing into a really fun era, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, it's done what they've wanted it to do. I mean, obviously, they haven't released any sales figures or anything yet. We probably will get that in a couple of weeks or a month's time. I expected to do pretty well, but it's it's made Final Fantasy a topic of conversation again. It's reviewed really well. It's it hasn't gone ninety plus, but you know, for me, it's the best Final Fantasy game we've had since ten, mm. outside of fourteen, which I haven't really played that much, so I can't really talk to it that much. But yeah, yeah, it's the best. It's the best single player one since ten. I mean. The writing, writing-wise, it definitely seems like it's Final Fantasy IX level. Like, Final Fantasy IX, I think, technically had the best writing of any other Final Fantasy Final Fantasy game. IX technically had the best of everything. It had the best of everything. And I think that this is up there with that, honestly. If not, more so, like, it's the one game that sort of accurately, like, um, transferred the sentiment of the original games that had the sense of humor and the emotions to voice acting and the voice actors as well. We haven't mentioned them at all, but they've done, they've all done an incredible job as well. But yeah, I think that they've all done a really, really great job um, with, with the acting in the game. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of it really i think um yeah it's for me it's the best final fantasy game we've had for a very long time almost two decades and i can understand why people are going to be upset about it but ultimately if you if you if you took this on face value and you didn't compare it to the original which is obviously very hard to do it's a great game mm. it's just what it is it's just a great game and with that we're going to stop <laughs> <laughs>
talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Go play. We will probably be like we normally do. We'll probably do a massive kind of spoiler cast in about a year's time mm. for this, where we run through everything around it, and we can discuss in full detail the uh, the crazy ending. Yes, that was crazy. Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys thoroughly enjoy the game uh, if and when you play it. And um, yeah. That's kind of it, really, for this for this uh, podcast after the release of the game. Let us know what you think as well. Yeah, let us know what you on think. On Discord. Join the Discord server. Yeah. There's loads of people talking about it. And um, yeah, the next episode of Final Fantasy Union will not probably be about the 7 Remake unless there's massive stuff that comes out afterwards. Maybe there's going to be a huge day one patch that adds a load of stuff. Mm-hmm. Typical Numera thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think with uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, he added a load of stuff in the first day patch with like a secret ending and all this stuff. So who knows? I haven't heard anything about a day one patch yet, but there will be patches that happen for <laughs> sure that adds different things in. Mm. They have to have learned from 15 in that regard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously the next episode is scheduled to come out in two weeks time, 28th of April. Until then, be sure to check out all our news coverage at finalfantasyunion.com. And if you really enjoy what we do, then why not support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. For now, though, it's time for us to say goodbye. Bye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a finalfantasyunion.com production. <laughs>